Thank you for downloading or podcasting this track. This recording has been remastered to provide the best sound possible given the audio environment of the original recording session. Mosaic Silver Spring is a faith community located just inside the Capitol Beltway in Montgomery County. For more information, please visit our website, www.mosaicsilverspring.org, and we'll see you in the neighborhood. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to open it up to Isaiah, or you can find it on the worship guide or on the screen behind me. Again, this is Isaiah 65. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old, and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord, and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, and the dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. Let me pray for us this morning. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this picture of a new heavens and new earth. God, I pray that this can give us hope as we look forward to the new year. I pray, God, that the word spoken today can point all of us to you, that we may know you and cherish you all the more. It is in your name we pray. Amen. I don't think it's uh, too big of a claim to say that now, especially after Christmas, especially as we wrap up 2021, um, the word new might not be as impactful as it once was. For example, if you are an Apple fan, uh, if you are in the ecosystem of Apple, think back to 2007 when Steve Jobs first announced the brand new iPhone. It's an iPod a phone, an internet communicator, all in one, right? Uh, if you watch that keynote event, everyone is cheering and clapping because it seems like this revolutionary new technology is at, uh, has arrived. But come 2021, we see the new iPhone 13 in addition to the new iPad and in addition to the new watch, and a month later, a new laptop. Sure, technologically, it's a big deal, right? There's improvements. Uh, this event itself was super sleek. Uh, if you actually hold the phone, there's a longer battery life. Uh, there are, uh, it's faster. But at the end of the day, if you compare it to the previous model, it's just, just a minor upgrade, 
It's not new in the sense that the world of smartphones have been changed forever. And of course, that's not limited to Apple. I'm not here to just knock on one company. Whether it is the latest phone, appliance, car, uh, go down the list. When you hear the word new, uh, I think it's common just for that to be a signal of it's just slight improvements. It's just another iteration with uh, another quick gimmick to get you hooked. So in that sense, we are desensitized to the word new. Uh, It's becoming an expectation of just marginal improvements. If you bought a phone within the past year, uh, you could skip this upgrade because in two years it'll be outdated anyways and so you'll just get the newest one anyways. While new might sound a little old, Uh, I would hopefully want to bring some life into the word new, especially as the prophet Isaiah is proclaiming the new heavens and the new earth. We're not just on version 14.0, waiting for the 14.1 version patch late 2022. This is not an update to pass on. This is not one where we can sit idly by. The prophet Isaiah, when he speaks about the new heavens and the new earth, he is showing us something revolutionary, something life-transforming, and he calls us to respond in faith and faithfulness. And so we'll look at this new heavens and new earth in two parts. First, a new city, and second, a new citizenship. A new city and a new citizenship. In uh, the past four weeks, as we've looked through Isaiah's prophecies, uh, Isaiah was pointing us to a future hope, right? That is what the season of Advent, this waiting, was meant to be an anticipation for, right? All of that is supposed to culminate in this prophecy in chapter 65. The justice of God, the presence of God, the authority of God, and the goodness of God is summed up in what Isaiah describes as the new heavens and new earth. Again, this is no minor patch indeed. So as we enter this text, we see that this new heavens and new earth centered around a city, Jerusalem. Because since the days of King David, Jerusalem was the city where the temple was built. It was where the kings lived. It was the center, the place where God was to be found. And it was to be a representation of God's people to the whole world. And so Isaiah is promising, God is promising a restoration, a new city, a new Jerusalem for his people. To understand the newness of the city, though, you have to know about what it was like in the past. We've noticed, again, in the past four weeks, how the people of God have suffered affliction. They felt like they were left to fend for themselves. They were turning left and right to whatever would give them the promises they wanted to hear. Yet at the same time, though they suffered affliction... They also had misplaced hopes. They trusted in their political savviness, their ability to maneuver through different situations. And so they turned away from the Lord as they listened to the false promises of gods who were not gods. 
you see all of this is laid out in the first section of Isaiah 65 of how God's people were unfaithful. In the center city, the place where God was supposed to be, this center city was filled with a people who were far from living like the people of God, and so they were sent far away into exile. The city was filled with the people who were far from living like the people of God, and so they were sent far away into exile. As we look in today's text, we see that at one point, there was a time where they were removed from their homes. They built houses uh, that others lived in. The vineyards that they tilled year after year was taken away. All of their hard work was ruined. The land that was supposed to flow with milk and honey was replaced with a city in distress and filled with weeping. But in the midst of that, Isaiah's words of hope was this. All of the suffering that you faced will be reversed in this new city. We see it in verses 19 through 23. That God is not just offering nice words. He's not just patting you on the back and saying, hang in there, you got this. No, God is actively at work to bring tangible changes. And it's more than just a return to the status quo. Israel will not go back to a life of fending for themselves where the marginalized are oppressed, where the leaders abuse their powers, where they fear the attack of enemy nations. No, the hope that Isaiah is pointing to, the hope that God promises is a new city that will live in perfect peace. He says in verse 19 through 20, I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people, so no more shall be, uh, shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. No more shall there be uh, in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not fill out his days. Church, God is at work to bring a physical reality centering around this city. Christianity is not just a religion centered around a certain set of moral codes. It is not just a means to feel warm and fuzzy inside as we spend time with one another. Christian hope and anticipation, the reason why we take four weeks out of the year to wait and we celebrate the physical birth of Jesus is because Jesus is coming again to bring about a new physical reality. One that is unlike anything you have seen before. There is a trajectory that this whole world is moving towards. Not just one city, not just literally the town of Jerusalem and the borders of its walls, but as far as the ends of the earth and as near as the physical bodies that we inhabit, God is moving to transform and make all things new. So even today, though we are caught in the disorienting fog of the pandemic that seems darker with the new strain of COVID, God is at work to bring this new reality. Even today, though some of you may have felt the weightiness of loneliness, or were reminded of broken relationships this weekend, 
Though some of you may feel the weightiness of living in a broken society where it seems like everything is working against you, in the midst of all of that, God is at work to bring about a new reality. Even today, though some of you may have felt the pains of sickness, of injury, or even the sting of death, God is at work to bring about this new reality. The people of God will be a part of God's new Jerusalem, where God dwells with us and finds joy. This is a picture of a world worth striving for. As Isaiah echoes the prophecy of Isaiah 11, the wolf and the lamb shall graze together, the lion shall eat straw like the ox. It is not just a noticeable difference, it is a difference like you've never seen before. It is a city worth striving for, a new reality that we are called to be citizens of. And so in this new city, there is a new citizenship. And the idea of citizenship, I mentioned, I I framed it up as citizenship. It's important because Isaiah is, again, speaking to a wayward people, a people headed into exile. Again, it was their misplaced trust, their idolatry, ultimately their sin, their turning away from God that led to the distress and the weeping in the first place. And so to be a citizen of the new Jerusalem, to receive the benefits of the new heavens and new earth, they could no longer live the way that they used to. Maybe this uh, might help. When I was in middle school, uh, there was an annual event at my school known as Midnight Madness, probably taking after the NCAA. You see, if you and your friends all pitch in $5 and sign up, you could play basketball for one night through the night against all the other teams in the school. The catch is, no matter how good or bad your team was, uh, no matter how much you've practiced leading up to the event, And no matter what you did after that night, uh, you won a ribbon and a cool shirt with our school mascot on it. Now compare that prize to the ring that the Milwaukee Bucks received after the NBA Finals. To have the benefit of wearing that ring and to have that title of champion cost more than just a $5 entrance fee and one night, they had to change the way that they lived, the way they ate, the way they exercised, the way they woke up in the mornings uh, to receive those benefits and those rights as champions. And if the NBA championship ring costs that much time and energy and resources to achieve, how much more costly is the citizenship into the new city where you can receive the title of God's people? How much do we need to change so that God can say, I rejoice in you, as he says in verse 19. You see, when God revealed this vision of the new city, this was as he was beckoning his wayward people to return back to himself. He is calling you to live according to his good standards unless, lest, we become the sinner who is accursed. Citizenship in the new heavens and new earth is not the participation ribbon of middle school midnight madness. It is the costly, life-altering call to faithfulness, far greater than any NBA uh, champion has ever worked for. And I want to sit on that 
so that it could be a challenge to us this morning. The reality is that the standard that God has set before us is perfection. Not, no, you're good enough. Not, uh, you're mostly good with some minor flaws here and there. God calls us to be perfect. We cannot receive the benefit of the new city without first being perfect before God. But just as much as God is at work to reverse the effects of a broken city, he put in the work to reverse a broken people, a people unable to perfect themselves. God does not just brush our sin under the rug. You know, when God says in verse 17, the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind, God is not just doing that because he just doesn't want to deal with it. It's actually because God dealt with it all in Jesus that we can become perfect and that we can be accepted as this citizen, as the people of God by faith. Though the standard is perfection, though we cannot achieve it on our own, God put in the work through his son to reverse our status from sinner to saint. The good news of Christianity is that God does not remember our brokenness and our failures because of the reversal that Jesus went through during his first advent. Though Jesus was God, he took on the weakness of humanity. Though Jesus had perfect joy with the Father in heaven, he took on the pains of life in a fallen world. Though Jesus was a delight, the one that the Father had declared, this is my son with who I am well pleased, this Jesus was forsaken on the cross. He took the curse of the city, the curse of our exile, so that for us, our status can be reversed. Jesus took it upon himself and gave us his perfection through his life, death, and resurrection on the cross. Jesus takes on our misfortune and gives us the infinite riches of the new city. So now we can be sure of this future reality by faith as new citizens. That is the hope offered to us this morning. Perfection, not by our efforts, not because we have achieved it, but because we receive it by faith in Jesus. Yet, now as new citizens of this new heavens and new earth, how do we live like we now are today by faith? One thing to note is that this promise that God gives us this future city, this future citizenship, uh, it's in the future, right? Even today, we still feel the effects of a broken world and of evil. Yet there will be a day where it won't be. The reality of that is that today, we will still face the difficulties in life, and things will not always work out the way that we want, nor will things always be easy. True faith, being a citizen as we look forward to that future hope, does not mean that we no longer face difficulty, but instead that we know the answer to difficulty and that it has an expiration date. 
Christian hope can take on, take on the hope, um, maybe can take one step further uh, of what Viktor Frankl says in his book, Man's Search for Meaning. Uh, Viktor Frankl, if you don't know who that is, uh, among many things, uh, he is a philosopher, but a psychologist, but also a Holocaust survivor. Uh, and he wrote this book called The Man's Search for Meaning. And in it, he writes, What man needs is not a tensionless state, but a striving and a struggling for a worthwhile cause. What man needs is not a tensionless state, but a striving and a struggling for a worthwhile cause. And he brings us up because he recognizes that it is common for people during his time, and I think still applies today, uh, that we often center our lives living an easy and comfortable life as possible. Right? Let's avoid any sort of stress or heartache or difficulty. Frankel is saying, let's put our energy, our time, our effort, not into just living a comfortable life, but striving for something greater than ourselves. And I like where he is going with that, but I think as Christians, we have something even better than just a great cause to struggle for. Yes, it is a cause worth striving for. The new heavens and new earth is something that we should strive to look forward to. But more than that, we have this hope that as we strive for God's greater plan of restoration, there will actually be a tensionless state soon. But until that day comes, today, we are to strive and live out our lives, live out our status as citizens of the new city. And that cause is worth living for, and it is worth dying for, because it is a cause that will be eternal. So what does that look like for us today? You know, as we look at Isaiah 65, uh, in verses 21 through 23, it is notable that we see imagery of people still working. Uh, still, they shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. Uh, they shall not build in another habit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be. And my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hand. For us today, Isaiah is calling us uh, to the reality that what we do today matters. It matters because uh, the work that we put in, we will sow. We will reap the benefits of our labor. Not because we have achieved something great, but because we are brought along into God's work of restoration. And so what does that look like for us today? on the ground level, we put in the work individually. We take time to grow in our own character. It is a call to integrity. Uh, not you know, we are not trying to achieve a good goal through questionable means. No, it is through the process from beginning to end. We are called to a higher standard of living honorably with integrity. So though you might see online internet battles uh, or arguing, we do not troll, we do not fight fire with fire. 
We do not seek vengeance on those who have wronged us, but trust in the fact that God, as the perfect judge and king, will one day right every wrong. We put in the work individually with our own character. Secondly, we lay down the bricks of community. What that means for us as a church, as we meet in community groups, as we get to know one another, is to ask hard questions. It's not to just uh, leave things at surface level um, conversations where we just talk about uh, the weather or the recent sports team. It is calling us to dig deeper into uh, the issues of our lives. It is speaking truth into our relationships and also being vulnerable enough to share your own brokenness, your own messiness. As new citizens, we do not need to fear uh, the exposure of our failures, but instead we can freely share with one another knowing that our status is secure by the work of Jesus. So individually, we build our own character. We lay down the bricks of our community, and we extend further outward from our church community into our neighborhood so that as a church, we can be a joy to lower Montgomery County. Until that new city is a full physical reality, we are called to go out and love our city, not with elevator pitches or bait-and-switch tactics or hidden agendas, but that in word and deed, in the way that we get to know our neighbors, in the way that we engage and sacrificially love through the small acts of kindness or greater acts of care, through our word and deed, may the world catch glimpses of the new city and the new citizenship that we have because Jesus has secured it for us on the cross. May we live as new citizens of this new city moving forward into 2022. Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, I thank you for this picture of a new heavens and new earth, one unlike anything we have ever seen. Lord, help us to wrestle with the realities of this future hope, to recognize that the world that we see before us is not all that there is. Yet at the same time, God, I pray that as we anticipate your return, help us to live as new citizens of this kingdom, this new heavens and new earth. May we walk in faith and faithfulness so that the world may see you and rejoice, knowing the hope that is found in your Son. It is in your name we pray. Amen.